Hello and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. It seems like it's been a long time, doesn't it? It's been over two months since we last uh, recorded, incredibly. I think obviously it's been a really, really long break, hasn't it? But yeah, obviously I'm delighted to welcome Peter Weiss again back to the show. How are you there, Peter? I'm doing well, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, I am with you. This break has been far, far too long. Football yeah. as it's meant to be, being the last European league to come back, we are... In this football desert, we're absolutely starved for our yeah. sacred and beloved Bundesliga. <laughs> absolutely. I think I've watched more Premier League football this last month than I've done in the last five or six years, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's been with that. Yeah. More test fixtures than we'd like to admit. We've been watching all <laughs> of the test fixtures uh, in, in eager anticipation for uh, our beloved Bundesliga to come back. And, and finally, at long last, the time is at hand. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people have been looking forward to it. And as you say, this Friday is the big kickoff with Leipzig versus Bayern Munich. And what a game to kick off with as well. I mean, a massive game, a, really a kind of title race match as well, which we'll touch on a little bit more later. But just before we start, let me remind you that we are still in partnership with Bully News as well, which I think uh, Peter Weiss writes obviously a lot of uh, articles for alongside Runa, who will be joining us again on Wednesday for the uh, fantasy football update. And of course, we're still in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes as well, who've just enjoyed a really, really successful uh, Christmas batch as well. So keep buying your Bundesliga Boxes and I'm sure there'll be another batch available in the next uh, few weeks or so. So yeah, let's make a start. So obviously today's show is going to be about the second half of the season or the Rook Runder as it's known as in German. Obviously uh, only 15 games played in the first half of the season this year, obviously as a result of the World Cup. And I'm just going to start with the World Cup as well, Peter, because obviously it didn't go to plan at all for Germany. Pretty much the third tournament in a row, really, that didn't. And obviously, I know you're kind of based between the US and Germany, but what, what was your take then? What did you think of the German reaction to the World Cup and the German performance in general? Uh, well, as uh, and I'd be interested to get your take on Nuremberg. I know in, at, in Nuremberg, they actually had some uh, well-attended public viewings. They were indoors, of course, uh, during the winter. But um, I was here in uh, my beloved Bundesrepublik. I am a, a German Nationalmannschaft uh, enthusiast as a German citizen, as a, uh, yes, I am half American, but uh, if the US is playing Germany, it's no question. I, I, this, is, this is my heimat, this is my, my fatherland. Um, interest before the tournament was at an absolute all-time low. If you walked around uh, the Bundesrepublik and you went pretty much every lamppost and signpost, had the boycott Qatar uh, uh, bumper stickers on there. Uh, and, you know, we had heard the same thing in Russia in 2018. There was uh, talk of political boycotts and everything like that. But obviously it was summer. Uh, people could get outside. Uh, they could uh, do public viewings in Fanmeilen. And enthusiasm for the German national team was pretty strong in 2018, uh, all throughout the three group stage matches, the only matches that the German national team was able to contest. Uh, and that, of course, happened again. Um, <laughs> but this time, the support was, um, was not so much behind the team, and interest in the tournament did not really pick up. This was not solely political. There were also more superficial reasons, like the fact that it was quite cold, uh, the fact that uh, the gas cutbacks here, the gas rationing, the self-induced gas rationing that everybody's been doing here as part of solidarity uh, with the Ukraine uh, left us, well, bitter and in a bad mood. And there were also the uh, the Christkindlmarkt here in southern Germany, uh, all throughout Baden-Württemberg and, and also uh, Hessen, Nordrhein-Westfalen in Bavaria, I'm sure, as well. People didn't have a chance to enjoy those for some three years because of the pandemic. And... Yeah, when you spoke to the average German on the street, they were a little bit more interested in going to get a Glühwein and shop for some trinkets, perhaps look at those kitschy heart cookies that no one has ever bought or eaten in their life. <laughs> but it's uh, still a very important tradition. Germans don't necessarily like their traditions intruded upon. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it picked up a little bit towards the end um, when Nicholas Fuchrug became something of a story. And of course, if you ask pretty much any German, they were very, most Germans were very, very, very proud that our Jamal Musiala, <clears throat> also of English heritage, was showcased to the world. 
and was able to really show some incredibly slick skills, particularly in that third group stage match. But apart from that, it was a sad, dour, depressing, non-event, uh, <laughs> as far as I could tell, because, you know, this also, it, the political dimension was important. The spat over the uh, one love Ambinda, most Germans found that to be sort of a manufactured issue that wasn't anywhere near as important as, say, the issues that the Iranian team were, uh, was facing. So they didn't care for that coverage. And they, you know, sadly, we're looking at some, you know, Müller, Thomas Müller and Manuel Neuer are past their prime, as uh, as was evidenced by their play in those group stage fixtures. And it wasn't too much for us to get excited about. Havertz got a couple of goals. Füllkrug became something of a story. Musiala was there to to showcase his skills to the world. Apart from that, there wasn't too much for us to really, uh, too much positive for us to take from this. And we'll be back in some 18 months time hosting the European Championship. And by then, I'm sure that the enthusiasm will return 100%. It'll be a replay of 2006, the Sommermärchen. So we'll be back. But for now, German national team fandom is in hibernation. The women's Euro generated better television rating, ratings and more excitement within the <laughs> Republic. And we're also looking forward to the Women's World Cup this summer, a summer festival that we can view outside with our compatriots. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing we can guarantee, though, is that the German national team will win a major tournament before the England team next to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one thing we can pretty much settle for sure. You know, well, you're the ones who are going deep into tournaments these days. Um, you know, not to mention beating us in the in the uh, the Euros and uh, making our that that famous viral picture of the German girl crying at Wembley. <laughs> we still have yeah. to get revenge for that. We'll 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 see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, I often make a joke with my German friends, actually, that since I came to Germany in 2018, just before the World Cup, actually, in Russia, um, basically, the German team has gone to rack and ruin, you know, like, obviously, group exits in 2018 and 22, then obviously, only a last 16 effort in the Euro 2021. And yeah, basically, the England team's gone the other way. You know, we've been making semi-finals, finals, which is pretty strange, really. But we've still not managed to make that big breakthrough and actually win one of the things, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised if Germany comes back in style and wins 2026, to be honest. Or 2024, I should say. Yeah. Well, we're, we expect, uh, I mean, in, in our home country, there is, mm -hmm. there is no real other choice. I mean, Germans expect the semi-finals, period. Period. Yeah. That, is, that is your expectation. Uh, and... Yeah. If they and we expect a win on home soil period yeah, yeah. anything else but you never know maybe england can repay the favor from 1996. <laughs> <laughs> football finally come home in berlin Who yeah knows? You, we need to repay the favor of of uh, frank lampard's goal going over the line in, in yeah uh, oh, come in on 2010. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry yeah, at that. least we got 1966 so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah but it's been a bit of a long time since that happened so yeah you never know but yeah i think regarding the tournament itself obviously i, I did watch quite a bit of it because as you say I'm, I'm a football fanatic and i just couldn't bring myself to miss any of it but yeah definitely living here in nuremberg there was definitely a level of apathy but i did feel as though most of the apathy was before the tournament i did feel as though once the football got kicked off and you know we had a couple of big games then there was a lot more entertainment um, a lot more people interested let's say that much and i think that was reflected in the viewing figures as well i think the game against japan although we have to remember it was in the middle of a work day as well i think it only got like six million viewers which is a record low for a world cup game in germany but then the spain game i think it more than doubled the numbers which still wasn't the typical number i think typically german world cup games get between 20 and 25 million viewers live which yes. is a very high number you know it's like yes. about a third of the population watching the game well when you take into account the fact that there were no you know outdoor public viewings in fan Milan, yeah. these are these are deplorable statistics i mean yeah. uh those figures that you just mentioned don't take the public viewings into account yeah that's true yeah so i mean more than half the country much more than half yeah. the country perhaps mm -hmm. you know 50 million people will tune in when the german national team is on mm -hmm. and we can't emphasize this enough the the highest rated german national team game of this year 
yeah. was England beating Ger the, uh, Germany, the women, yeah. <laughs> in the Euro final at Wembley. And uh, yeah. the final group stage match, Costa Rica still didn't beat it. Yeah, so yeah, you have yeah. that going for you as well, you yeah. know. We, we have to get our revenge on that. <laughs> exactly, yeah, we did. But I remember at the time, a lot of German people were saying it was uh, the penalty situation. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. that one as well. A lot of German people felt as though they should have had a penalty. But come on, we, we, we were due at least one win. You know? Well, <laughs> no matter – I'm a absolute – dogged uh, women's football supporter so whatever gets it uh, a higher profile is fine with me i was still actually quite depressed for a couple of days after after yeah. uh, well when alexandra pop couldn't play and, and it, was, yeah. Yeah, it made me sad yeah. it was a great final though definitely uh remember that one clearly and a lot of people watch it back in the uk as well and i think in terms of women's football before this tournament women's football wasn't really on the map but definitely though the one thing you got to remember about the uk or at least england is that like whenever there's a, any kind of sport in the uk they will back it to the absolute hilt you know like you can guarantee the stadiums will be sold out it doesn't matter whether it's tennis basketball football or rugby but the fans are really really back into the hill and i think it was great for the profile to have it over in the uk but yeah we digress a little bit anyway so yeah let's let's turn our attention back to the bundesliga now so yeah i just wanted to start off with the transfer roundup really because obviously you know despite the fact that the football only kicks off on the 20th of january we have had the transfer window open since the first of january which is typical for all european leagues and we have seen a few although not many big name transfers gone through so we're going to talk about some of the transfers to and from the Bundesliga as well and how that might affect some of the teams involved so I think probably the, the biggest name to come to the Bundesliga so far is probably Daily Blind really obviously to Bayern Munich I mean for me this is a it's an interesting signing because I think Bayern Munich's strongest point is central midfield, really. And obviously, uh, Daley Blind is a central midfielder. Obviously, he's more of a defence-minded central midfielder. But did this one surprise you a little bit, um, Peter? Or do you think this is a really good signing for Bayern Munich? Um, it, 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 it caught all of us by surprise. Um, it's uh, good news for the Bundesliga that, uh, that uh, Daley comes to play with his uh, old national team compatriots, Matthias de Ligt. Um, it's important to note that this is a free transfer. Um, when we talk about the big names that are exiting Germany and the big names that are not necessarily coming to Germany, uh, we can't emphasize enough, and Bundesliga uh, enthusiasts watching this show already know this, that we are dealing with mostly fan-owned clubs. And uh, a club, even a club like FC Bayern München is a 50 plus one fan-owned club. They're dealing with a negative 33 million transfer deficit from the summer. And that is why they are in a bit of trouble now. They are only carrying a 25-man roster once you include Daily Blind in there. The goalkeeping situation is still not resolved. As, as Transfer <laughs> Alarm, bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean to, didn't mean to bring props necessarily, but we're just so overjoyed to be back in the Bundesrepublik where everybody still makes the sacred schlep to kiosks to uh, pick up the latest Sportbild and latest kicker and, and, and talk about it with people. I mean, it's a a good signing from a public relations uh, standpoint. Tactically, I don't think it's necessary. And yeah, if you want to jump into to how Bayern is handling this transfer window, um, it shows you that you know even our our mighty uh, record champions, uh, ten years champions in a row, they do have their financial uh, constraints. You know. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Jorginho Ruter going to Leeds for uh, 40 million or Kevin Shada, who is a great player, but Brentford are going to end up paying 25 million once that yeah. clause gets activated uh, and it's going to be activated. Yeah, I mean, I was going to come to that one as well. I mean, is that going to be like, do you think Freiburg are going to be laughing all the way to the bank with that one? Because, I mean, he wasn't even playing for, for Freiburg. Yeah. He, I think he only started two games in the Hinrunde. I mean, yeah. with five million potentially in the bank. But at the same time, he does look like a player with a lot of promise. So who do you think is the big winner there? Would you say Freiburg or Brentford, really? I hope that that both Germany and uh, Freiburg are big winners out of it because Kevin Schade has shown some amazing skills for the Germany U21s. Um, he hasn't been able to crack the Freiburg starting 11 this year because of some injury problems and also because Michael Gregoric took off. We're just yeah. took off out of nowhere. Yeah. So, uh, 
Um, <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a good uh, uh, signing for Brentford, but it just it just goes to show you what what the financial constraints are and, and how we're how we're different here. I mean, Brentford to to my not, you know that was the London club, the one London club that I personally never even saw make it to the Premiership in in, in my lifetime, as I as I recall. And even yeah. they can fork down twenty five million for a developmental yeah. prospect who is very very good, <laughs> but still has quite a bit to prove. Yeah, the money the money in the Premier League is absolutely crazy, it's, really. Uh, I think Brentford, are, obviously, to talk about the Premier League club, it, they're a great success story. I mean, they're a very, very well-run club with a very good manager in Thomas Frank, the Danish man. I mean, they're, they're pretty much like the... I would say that Brentford operate more like a kind of German club in many ways, just with more money, a lot more money. Basically, that's the thing. You know, I mean, even the likes of Borussia Dortmund and Leipzig struggle to fork out twenty-five million euros for a player. So, for a club like Brentford to do that is just—it just shows the level of finance that the Premier League's got nowadays. You know. Yeah, that's true. So we have a lot of outgoing transfers, but uh, you know, it's. Blind is is interesting, but he was available on a free. Let's not forget yeah. that. That's how they yeah. got him. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And then obviously that that's one big uh, departure, as you say. I, I, the other one I wanted to mention is Hoffenheim because there has been a change to their forward line, hasn't there? I mean, Casper Dahlberg has come in on loan from Nice. You know, a player who has always been highly rated, but has never really hit the big time for me. You know, I think I've seen him play a few times for uh, Ajax and. The Danish national team, but he's one of them that, you know, I always feel as though he could be a quality player, but I've never, I feel as though we've not seen the real top of his game yet. And I think he's about 24, 25 now, but obviously he has come in to replace, as you mentioned, Jorginho Ruter. I mean, he was a player that I absolutely loved, to be honest. I saw images of Thierry Henry in him sometimes when he played and took on that defender and then went onto the side of his foot, you know. I think, again, he clearly isn't at his peak yet, but I think he's a great signing, actually, for Leeds United and a big loss for Hoffenheim. But obviously, they did recoup, obviously, 28 million euros for him, so it's not a bad amount of money. But what do you think, Peter? Do you think uh, Hoffenheim are better off with Dolberg in and Ruta out? Or do you yeah, think they're going to be struggling? Yeah. I mean... Munas Dabua, the Israeli, and Ilas Bebu, uh, who is from Togo, I believe, uh, are returning from injury. So they might be the forward line in a 4-4-2 for Andre Breitenreiter in Sinsheim. Uh, it also might be the case that, um, you know, they were looking to offload Jakob Gunlassen, uh, Dolberg's Danish compatriot. Um, but as I, I was actually joking with Rune as I was visiting him in Copenhagen recently that uh, Hoffenheim could have a Danish 4-3-3 now with Dolberg, Robert Stolf, and uh, Jakob Brun Larsen uh, leading the trident there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, Hoffenheim, you know, Hoffenheim and and Leipzig, and to a certain extent, our, uh, also Leverkusen and Wolfsburg, which are also not uh, 50 plus one clubs, um, they do have the money to shell out for transfers. Something else we could talk about is the fact that Augsburg have had a very, very active transfer window. They've just signed two, well, they've signed one new striker, Bejo, uh, the Croat. Um, they've signed a new fullback, and uh, pretty soon, uh, Kelvin Yeboa is going to come in. Um, and let's not forget that Augsburg were able to outpace Wolfsburg for Ricardo Pepe last transfer window. Mm. Something that's interesting about Augsburg is we it's all kind of shrouded in secrecy. But since this U.S. investor came on board, Bolt Football Holdings, which I believe they have some tentacles in the Premiership as well, they've got a little bit more money backing them now. I mean, we're we're told we're assured that this is not a 50 plus one violation. That that it, Augsburg is still a fan-owned club. It's still financed by uh, by the fans uh, primarily. But they've got a little bit more U.S. backing as well. So. As is oftentimes the case in 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 German transfer window politics. These non 50 plus one clubs are going to be able to outpace the fan owned clubs yeah. for uh, uh, incoming transfers. Doesn't mean that other clubs aren't uh, doing things uh, more intelligently in the long term and are, uh, are you know, uh, building uh, better squads yeah. uh, in the long term. I, I can, I mean, I can tell you, I can talk to you about just anything you want to, uh, want me to yeah. talk about uh, yeah. in that regard. Yeah. But um, yeah, so your non 50 plus one clubs, which have com either company backing like Leverkusen and Wolfsburg do, 
you could say that Leipzig have company back uh, backing from Red Bull GmbH. Hoffenheim is is backed by Dietmar Hopp and and uh, SAP. And now Augsburg is has a suspicious amount of money to throw around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it only really came into the limelight when they signed Ricardo Pepe, as you say. I yeah. mean, that was the shock of the last January transfer window. And I mean, let's yeah. be honest, it was an 18 million euro flop as well, to yes. the highest degree. Like, I think the guy is playing for some kind of mid-table Dutch team, Groningen. Actually, he's doing, he's doing really well in Groningen now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, he never did score a Bundesliga goal. And yeah. I don't think he's coming back to Augsburg either. So they're just yeah. going to to offload him probably for a fraction of what they paid for. Yeah. And here they have money to, to shell out more for, for more yeah. players. So, yeah. well, we'll Augsburg see. are a strange club, aren't they? Because as you say, there's a lot of mystery going on with them because they pass themselves off as like an innocent, like Bavarian small club. But I mean, they, they do have a lot of money in the coffers, you know, like well, they, they really, they're one of the big spenders of the Bundesliga. I'd say they're in the top seven or eight spenders really in the Bundesliga, especially in terms of transfer fees anyway, you know? Uh, the last, uh, yeah, three transfer windows, that has been the case. And yeah. um, as I said, we're, we have football journalists in the Bundesliga Republic working overtime to do a little bit of sleuthing to see just exactly <laughs> how this uh, new investor holding, which is American-based, yeah. is, um, is, is backing Augsburg. So we're... We don't know yet, but I have full confidence in the uh, the sleuthing journalists of, of this great country to find out precisely what's going on. <laughs> It'll be interesting to know anyway. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, just a few other signings of note. I mean, uh, Jérôme Roussillon has joined uh, uh, Union Berlin from Wolfsburg. I mean, he was a player that I really liked. I think two seasons ago when Wolfsburg had that really good year and they finished in the top four. I mean, he was a really good player at left back. I mean... For me, he is a good signing for Union Berlin. You know, they're a side that love a bargain, aren't they? They really, really do love a bargain, Union it's Berlin. A, it's a beautiful signing that's right in line with the Union Berlin uh, philosophy, which is yeah. they will pick up yeah. some players that uh, most Bundesliga sides have already cast off. Jérôme Roussillon no longer played a role in, in Wolfsburg. Paulo Otavio is the starting left back. I think he played <clears throat> just a few relief appearances this season. And, um, you know, it looked like he was going to leave Germany on a free this summer entirely. And when he when I found out that Union had picked him up, just like they pick up so many different journeymen, you know, across the Bundesliga, I was really, really happy with that. I was pleased with that. I was happy to see that Wilson uh, is going to get a chance and he will get a chance in Urs Fischer's uh, uh, rotative scheme. Uh, so it'll be great to see him play again. You know, a transfer, another transfer, speaking of Wolfsburg, that we all wanted to see. We wanted to see another Frenchman, the former Wolfsburg captain, uh, Joshua Guido-Vogui, uh, go to Stuttgart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because he's uh, also scheduled to depart German football on a free after the season concludes. Um, unfortunately, that's it's not going to happen. Looks like Jörg Schmatke is going to block that transfer to Stuttgart. But uh, we wanted to see, you know... Now that I, since we brought up Frenchmen who who get a second life in the Bundesliga, that's just a story that German football fans love. And uh, let's not forget that Anthony Modeste was a fantastic story in that regard. Uh, in that he was marooned in China, he went AWOL, <laughs> and then he came back to German football. And after all of these injury plague seasons where they thought he was going to retire, he broke through for Köln last year. And even if he's not doing so hot for Dortmund, uh, this time around, Germans are, are still rooting for him. So Germans love a good comeback story. Uh, hopefully, Roussillon will be one. Maybe Guida Vogui can find a new club here in Germany after the summer. And uh, maybe Modeste plays on as well. We'll, we'll yeah. see. But So good, yeah, yeah. three good potential French yeah. comeback stories that we love to... Yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about the Bundesliga, though. You know, you, you do get players that just, you just think this guy surely has nothing more to give, but they always just have that little bit more. And I think, you know, it link, these kind of players have more of a connection to the fans. You know, the likes of Anthony Modeste, Roussillon, you know, they're, they're not massive names by any means, but they always, you know, with the fans behind them, they can push their level so much higher than you could possibly imagine, really. You know, and as I mentioned before, you, you often see with the Bundesliga that a player has one really good season 
then randomly drops out of the team out of nowhere. And then he joins another club and then he comes back and has a resurgence, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Roussillon maybe even start playing more games, as you say, for Union Berlin this season. Who knows what he can do? Yeah, well, I mean, Oz Fischer has been tweaking his tactics a little bit, so he might not be using wingbacks anymore. But um, I sincerely hope that that he gets a, a, a rotative chance in there with, in the Europa League at, at the very least. Yeah, we're looking at probably a 4-4-2 from him. So it might not be the same 3-5-2 rotative setup that we get from Urs Fischer, that we got from Urs Fischer early in the season. Yeah. But I'll I'll be rooting for him. And yeah. uh, Union, I mean, they're speaking of a of a of a comeback player. Uh, they're going to probably put Kevin Behrens up there in the 4-4-2 alongside yeah. uh, Geraldo Becker was is also a great yeah. comeback story. He was on the bench for Union. He wasn't playing. Yeah. So Union. Uh, whether it's Robin Knocher, also from Wolfsburg, Nico Gieselmann, who is in Düsseldorf, among many other places. Um, yes, the way they can bring in journeymen and how they can thrive is, yeah. is is quite... Of course, the fairy tale went bad with Max Kruse, who was, yeah. who was the, the, you know, one of the prime examples of how Union mm. could give new life into a player. Yeah. And we, you know, yeah. uh, then he went to Wolfsburg for more money, and now he's probably not going to play in German football again. So yeah, there's some fairy tales that go go bad. But, uh. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess he has himself to blame really. Like as you say, he had a job for life, so to speak, at Union Berlin, really there, didn't he? He was one of their key players and then he chooses a bit more money at Wolfsburg, one big payday and it all goes wrong ultimately, doesn't it? So Well, I mean, I don't fault him for that. I don't fault him for saying, okay, I got a two year contract here. I'm thirty four years old. I'm gonna I'm going to make a little bit more money for retirement. The social media posting that eventually got him, you know, sort of kicked off the team and, and, you know, all of this, this stuff that that's, that's a little distasteful. I still yeah. like Max Cruz. I still, I still think he's a good footballer and I still think that he's a, a good man, just a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit too much on the, uh, on the, yeah. the social media front, and particularly getting into arguments with, with his yeah. old team and things like this we, yeah. we could have done without that yeah. i mean he's been a journeyman as well let's be honest he's played for a lot of clubs and let's be he's done well for most of the clubs but he's never had that longevity at one club mm -hmm. has he i mean i'm pretty sure he's played for five or six german clubs plus fenerbahce in turkey as well so he's he's, he's a character germans like characters germans don't yeah. mind the fact that he left his poker winnings in the taxi or <laughs> ate too much nutella or mm -hmm. uh you know uh would always post uh, i was fine with him he would post these instagram things about like the blitzers you know the blitzers that give you traffic tickets in germany ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when you break the speed limit or run a red light or something like this yeah, yeah. he would always post his traffic tickets and complain about <laughs> how german society is constantly you know hmm. putting speed limits where they shouldn't be putting cameras mm -hmm. behind trees and things like that. Yeah. So we, we, we like the character that, that Max Cruiser was. Yeah. It's kind of a shame that it came to that end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other point, one that surprised me a little bit, is the fact that it seemed as though Bolcom were going to sign him. And I thought he would be a great signing for them. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Bolcom, they, they're not exactly oozing with quality on the front line, are they? And I thought he could be potentially a great signing. But it seems as though, from what I can gather, he was ready to join. But the sporting director wasn't didn't fancy him really are you a bit surprised about that one or do you think given his age that could maybe have influenced the decision a little bit well nobody at this point it's too it's too much of a danger he could be too disruptive to the team so no german football team is yeah. gonna uh, gonna touch him it's interesting that you should bring up Fowlford bochum because i think that they've had a very effective transfer window they've brought in uh, kevin schlotterbeck uh yeah. exactly nico schlotterbeck's slightly older brother mm. uh, from freiburg on loan and they've also uh brought in uh, pia kunde melong the cameroonian international who once played for mainz um i think actually that bochum and i thought this before the season two i think that the the changes in the defensive line after the loss of amo bella kotchap uh, to southampton and uh, combined with some injuries, got them off to a disastrous start. And that's yeah. why Rice got fired. Um, but uh, since then, they finished the uh, the Hinrunde on a high note. I think they they really were one of the stronger teams yeah. to finish. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like the veteran leadership that they have in uh, Anthony Lucia, uh, Daniel Suarez, uh, also Christian Gamboa. Speaking of journeymen, it looks like Sadie Yanko 
might start it right back from yeah. Um, <laughs> old school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, and they have in Philip Hoffman, they, they have uh, the former Kaya Seisleiker. Uh, yeah. Mm. From they have uh, <laughs> someone who, who, you know, has, he's been sort of growing into the top tier. He's been growing into the game. Simon Zola is still there. They have the Filipino typhoon, Garrett Holtman. Uh, you know, Legend, yeah, the bulk of Messi. <laughs> absolutely. So he's <laughs> absolutely murderous on the flanks. I'm gonna, <laughs> my first bold prediction of this book on the preview is that Bochum are not going to get relegated. I yeah, think yeah. that they're not even going to be on the relegation's uh, uh, playoff place. I think that they oh. are going to achieve safety, and I think that they're going to stay yeah. in the Bundesliga for another year. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. And also, you can remember Osano as well is going to come back as well. Like He yes. missed quite a bit of... Uh, he played in the World Cup, but obviously he missed the Hinrunde mostly through injury. Jaguar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, I think he, he looked good in the World Cup, and obviously, you know, he's not going to be the most popular guy in Germany after... I think he scored one of the goals against Spain, didn't he? Which <laughs> or even against Germany, didn't he? Back well, one against Germany he, as well. He and Rizzo Doan scored against Germany. They're still yeah. very popular, as is Daichi Kamada, as is Mayo Yoshida. Yeah, yeah. As is yeah. Genki Haraguchi, as is yeah. this uh, Japanese players are all very popular in Germany. Yeah. So we're <laughs> we're happy yeah. to have them. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones as well. There's no question about that. It's, you know, so many good Japanese players in the Bundesliga. The blue samurai blue since I would say about 2011, 2012 has been made in Germany. And yeah, uh, definitely, that's yeah. that's how ever since the Shinji Kagawa or Kagawa Shinji, if you prefer, uh, we've been the right breeding ground. Yeah. definitely okay so yeah let, let's move our attention from transfers more towards uh how the table is looking now okay so yeah obviously let's start at the top with the title race i mean obviously Bayern munich are leading the table by currently by four points so it's not like a massive uh gap that they've currently got but it, it's a significant gap from sc freiburg who are currently second you know Again, we just expect it nowadays. So, I mean, the last 18 months, they've just been the story of the Bundesliga, along with Union Berlin, really, haven't they? Like they managed to defy the budget and the uh, you know wage structure there to finish way, way higher than what you'd imagine on paper. RB Leipzig, you know, finished the Hinrunde really strongly. They're only six points behind Bayern Munich, and they'll be looking to cut that lead to just three points as well on Friday night when they host Bayern Munich as well, which already looks like a huge game, doesn't it? I mean, I think a lot of neutrals will be supporting Leipzig there, maybe even in Germany, but I'm not sure, to be honest. <laughs> um, no, I, we'll probably be supporting Bayern, um, most of the uh, the neutrals in Germany. And and this comes from a guy who's absolutely not a, a Bayern fan. <laughs> uh, uh, Leipzig, uh, when it's Bayern versus Leipzig, if it comes down to Bayern versus Leipzig for the mm -hmm. title, I want it to be Bayern. I want it to be mm -hmm. a traditional fan-owned club. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Also, uh, I'm really, really hoping that um, some of our uh, devastated uh, national team players, Joshua Kimmich being yeah. number one, uh, but also uh, maybe Thomas Müller and uh, and Leon Goretzka to a certain extent, and Serge Nabwi, who had a good first game but then sort of fell off, and Leroy Sané. I, I, I sincerely hope that they can sort of shake off the World Cup blues and, and get back into form for the sake of both the German and national yeah. team and, for, and, and German football. Um, yeah. Freiburg have looked really, really good in the test fixtures. I think that um, a player to watch in the second half of the... Uh, the Rückrunde is going to be Daniel Kofi-Kiera, mm. uh, St. Pauli player. He is, Christian Streich's been toying with some interesting tactics uh, during the test fixtures This you know that we've all been watching here in Germany. And I think Kiera is going to be his new uh, uh, either sort of uh, number 10 slash anchoring short striker. And I think he's going to have a really, really good Rückrunde. And I think that Freiburg, is, they're going to do very well. I don't think they can test for the title. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, the title is going to come down to Bayern, Leipzig, and my second bold prediction of this podcast, Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, you know, as title contenders. Um, so those are your those are your big three, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And who would you go for fourth then? So you're predicting, but, and are you going to go for Bayern Munich to win the title? Or do you think uh, it's possible that Leipzig and uh, potentially Eintracht Frankfurt could even win the thing? Year. I think Eintracht Frankfurt couldn't do it. Um, wow. We've, I, I absolutely do. I think that um, 
with Randall Colomorani being in the form that he's in, um, with Jesper Lindstrom and uh, uh, Daichi Kamada also, you know, being in, in such excellent form. And the way that Oliver Glasner has just made, I mean, he, he's he's taken players like Ansgar Knauf, uh, Christian Jakic, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and place them, you know, in totally, uh, also Eric Jr., uh, Dina Ibimbe, in totally unfamiliar tactical positions, and they're thriving there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they're great. Uh, Sebastian Roda and Gibosel, that might be the best midfield and all of uh, the best double six setup in all of German football, apart from Kimmich and Goretzka. And um, yeah, I, I really think that's my bold prediction that at the end of the season uh, at the Römerberg, uh, Römer, <coughs> Römerberg uh, balcony there in Frankfurt, when they're holding up the Meisterschale. Yeah. And uh, yeah. maybe the fact that the Bundesliga has taken such a long break can even benefit Eintracht and the other German teams in Europe. Uh, Champions League, maybe yeah. we get a German champion. Okay, the Frankfurt double. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, I reserve the right to backtrack on that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that Frankfurt probably are the most serious title. Well, Leipzig as well, because yeah. um, because of Nkunku, uh and because of Werner and because of Zaba Schlager and Dominic Soboslai and all these, they're they're very talented. That's that's your big three, in my opinion. Yeah. And for fourth place, I would probably tip Leverkusen uh, based on the fact that uh, Florian Wertz is coming back and, and the team can yeah. probably make up some serious ground. Um, yeah. We'll see how they do, you know, without a lead striker. Patrick Schick is not is not fit yet. Yeah. But that would be my... What, what, what about you, my friend? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a bold prediction, I was going to say, because obviously Leverkusen, they did recover a little bit in the last... I think they won the last three games of the, the Hinrunde, didn't they? Which has kind of improved their position a little bit. But they are only 12th at the moment, currently nine points behind the top four. But as you say, they do have a quality roster. And like if they can get Florian Wirtz and obviously Patrick Schick on better form, then there's no question that they can do it. But I'm not going to go for them to make top four, though. Yeah, I think... I don't want to sound boring, but I am going to go for Bayern Munich to make it... 11 out of 11 yeah <laughs> i i would love to see frankfurt really i think after nuremberg there and probably union berlin they're kind of my third team really in germany i absolutely love them really like i just love the fans and the culture around the club and just the the fact that they're winners as well i really love that too i think watching them last year in that europa league run was just a, a joy to me really and I was so happy when they won. I think we did a live stream as well, and I was like celebrating on the screen. I was so happy, even though they played my British brothers in uh, Glasgow Rangers. But mm. like, I was, I was shouting for Frankfurt all the way. And I do like that. I like a winning team. I like a team that can not only play good football, but they can also, you know, go that extra mile and actually win a tournament which is obviously in Germany, we see Bayern Munich dominate, well, really everything, let's be honest. You know, they dominate the, the league, the cup, not quite so much uh, dominate the cup, but obviously they still win most of them. And there's not many German teams that can really say they've got Frankfurt, they've got silverware to their name in the last two or three years, you know, but obviously Eintracht Frankfurt is one of them. And I do believe that, I, I think they'll finish second, yeah. I do believe that they'll finish second behind Bayern Munich. Then I would agree. I think RB Leipzig are shoe-ins for top four as well. But then I'm going to go for, I'm actually going to go Freiburg. I think Freiburg will have enough quality to see it. Obviously, last year they were pretty close as well. But this year, I just think they've stepped up a gear as well. I think they've become a little bit more consistent, a little bit better defensively. They concede a few less goals as well. And as you mentioned, Grigorovic, he gets the goals, doesn't he? Like nobody really expected him to be that good when he signed from Augsburg in the summer. But I mean, he is a quality player who can get the goals. And I do believe that they will get in there. And I just think Borussia Dortmund, I don't see very much hope at all for them to get top four. They just look especially those last two games before the break, they were woeful, weren't they? Absolutely woeful. Well, they, they do get Sebastian Haller back, and, yeah. and he did score a quick, uh, a lightning-fast hat-trick in one of the test fixtures. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, with all of the, the, the stuff going on around, I mean, the striking core is not bad. I mean, you have yeah. Modest, who is a classic target man, whom they need to figure out, but he's kind of useless in Dortmund because the 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 flanks are so weak. I mean, yeah. they've, they've got their fullbacks are so weak, and and the pace up the wings with this rotating cast of characters is not doing so well. So he's, you know, he's more of a a, 
what we call the joker, the, a guy you can bring off the bench, hopefully get a last, you know, uh, some late goals. Uh, we might, we skipped over Yusuf Mokoko in the transfer window discussion. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Germans are very, very proud to have this phenom playing for us. He's got a ways to go, developmentally speaking. Yeah. I personally hope he doesn't make the, the, the switch to the premiership or to... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, too soon because I still feel like he has a lot of, of aspects of his game to develop. Yeah. So we'll see. Haller can obviously, if we're a former Eintracht Frankfurt player, uh, he was part of that famous. Yeah, group. He, yeah. um, he could make a, a, a difference. He, he most definitely yeah. could, provided he can get himself in a top form immediately. Yeah. Um, I hope you're right with Freiburg. Every German hopes you're right with Freiburg. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Christian, we'd love to be able to go to a Champions League match at the new Europa Park Stadion, um, which is not bad. It's actually, you know, some, a lot of times when a, a club like Freiburg moves out of, you know, a, a traditional ground like the Dreisam Stadion and they, they come into something that's, you know, you would think that it's more corporate or quiet. No, same great atmosphere. Uh, absolutely love that. We'd absolutely love it. And we'll see. I mean, basically what Strike's got going on, he's got Kiera. Doing this, he's got Grifo and Doan on the flanks. Problem with Freiburg is the midfield is weak. Um, Chris Höfler and Maximilian Eggestein yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, make too many mistakes, and and I have a, a, a bad feeling about how you know that sort of soft underbelly of theirs is yeah. going to hold hmm. up over the course yeah. of the month. That's that's what I'm concerned about, and I'm concerned about Union too. Um, I don't, I don't. This this new four four two. It, it's it, it's not the same Union game with Rani Kadira sort of patrolling the midfield and and playing against the ball, <clears throat> letting the opponent have possession, and then and yeah. unleashing these counters. Um, sorry to say so, but it looks like <clears throat> one of my Americans that I cover in my weekly column, Jordan Sibachu, also known as Jordan Pifak, is <laughs> not going to get. Uh, you know, he's he got off to a great start, but he's he's a little bit of thought. We'll see. Geraldo Becker and Kevin Barons, maybe they can make it work. Yeah, I guess that brings us to who we think will qualify for the the next three European places. Yeah. I think Freiburg does that. I think yeah. Wolfsburg does it. Um, and and the third one would, uh, yeah, okay. Freiburg, Wolfsburg, Dortmund are going to the Europa League. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. I think I would agree. I was going to touch on Union Berlin as well, because one of the questions I wanted to ask you is which of the top half sides do you expect to like kind of really drop off in the second half of the season? And like for me, I, I was going to say Union Berlin. I just think the way they started the season, it was just marvellous. They were top of the league for the first 12 rounds, you know, which was and I think they'd only lost one game in that time. But for me, the, the big problem is a lot of key players badly dropped off, especially on the front line. I think. Geraldo Becker started like an absolute machine, didn't he? I think he was on six or seven goals in as many games, but then I don't think he scored again after those first six or seven games. Well, and I think, as you mentioned, Jordan Sabaccio, he badly faded off after a good start in the first five or six games, didn't he? And I just don't know where the goals are going to come from for them. And I think, obviously, I think they only got one point from the last three or four games of the Hinrunder, which is the reason why they're fifth at the moment. And I can see them dropping down to like ninth or tenth in the second half of the season. Well, would you agree with that or do you have more? Oh, absolutely. For them? Yeah. yeah, Jordan's been the real problem. I think Becker uh, can still and we'll see. Berlin's actually he he scored uh, some goals in the Conference League uh, uh, last year. Uh, you know, a couple of really um, uh, uh, pivotal ones. I think that he could, he could score for this team. Uh, and they're also um, okay, you have to be kind of a Bundesliga nerd to know this, but they're going to try with Tim Skaka, I think, on the wings. He was he was going to go to Schalke, but then they they nixed that deal uh, because Fisher wants him on the wings. Yeah. What this new new Urs Fisher four four two? What what we can expect mm -hmm. from it? I'm not really sure because you know Becker he's he can provide assists, but he's not. You know, I neglected to mention in with Eintracht Frankfurt. My my apologies. I neglected to mention how important Mario Götze has been for that team, yeah. uh, and not and he doesn't record of a lot of assists, but he records the pass before the assist, yeah. which we don't record in football, right? Or, yeah, or pre-assist. Yeah. <laughs> Some people do. <Yes. laughs> that's 
that's what you need in, in Union. I mean, you got some you got some guys that can that can generate some goals. And on set pieces, they're not bad either. Trimble's very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, the captain is very good. <clears throat> yeah, they how the how the forward link up play works is is not convincing based on what I saw in these test fixtures. And you also have the problem of <clears throat> uh, the fact that Union was never, even when they were at the top of the league, they were never a team that really wanted the ball. They were yeah. a team that yeah. sat back and absorbed the pressure. <laughs> Thing. So you yeah. could sort of see their downfall coming. Yeah, but, uh, but let's get your 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 three for for the European places then, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, I think uh, obviously Bayern, Eintracht, uh, Leipzig, and Freiburg, which is actually the current top four. I'm predicting them to keep the top four. But then I would say, yeah, for the three for the two Europa League spots, I would I would agree. I think Wolfsburg are going to get fifth actually I, I do like their side and i think it was just a matter of time before nico kovac really kind of found a blend for me they've got a big roster actually wolfsburg they have a lot of players obviously they've offloaded a couple of them like Roussillon, but it was always a matter of finding a blend in a formation that worked and i think it started pretty poorly like it was for most of last season but if you look they won the last four games of the hinrunder and i think they played well they look aside the balance attack and defense well and i just think they've got a lot of quality players in there you know the nemecha brothers look very very good they've oh, got yeah. other options as well with jonas vind is going to be back to full fitness and i just think they've got a bit of quality all over the pitch and i think they could go closest to getting top four other than the four sides that i mentioned in my view and i would agree dortmund will get europa league i think they'll be fifth or sixth i can't see them falling below that then for seventh is a tough one, really, because, you know, there's a few sides that have a chance. I don't think it will be Union Berlin, as I mentioned. So we've got to look a little bit further down. I would possibly go with uh, Gladbach, actually. I just think they're not a perfect side by any means, but I think they did show a few good performances and they've got a good side. A lot of players that are going to be really high on comedies. Marcus Turam, you know, I mean, he played in a World Cup final just a few weeks ago. Yeah, but he, you know, really he, got, a, he got an assist in a World Cup final. So this is a play with real quality. Yes, the way they destroyed uh, Dortmund on the last day of the Hindu as well gave me confidence. And I, I don't think they're a perfect side and they've got a lot of improvement to do under Daniel Farker, but I think they'll just have enough to get seventh, in my view. Well, we'll see. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would definitely tip Leverkusen if, you know, Leverkusen don't make the top four, which I guess counts as a bold prediction for myself as well. But I would, I would still tip Leverkusen over Gladbach. We don't know what the state of Gladbach is going to be. Taram and Sommer may both leave within True. the next weeks, and um, you know, there's, there's, there's quality. I mean, they get Florian Neuhaus back. They get, you know, Stindl is going to play, I think, very, very well in his final. Uh, what what will be probably his final year with the Foles. Um, what they've been able to do with Christoph Kramer, getting him up ahead, that's that's been that's been great. Um, we we <laughs> Alassane play is also a great assist meister, but if Taram leaves, yeah. all, all bets are off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, he was their star. He was one of the stars of the Hinrunde this year, and he went yeah. into the World Cup in on form, didn't he? I, I mean. It's my opinion that's that Bayern will eventually cave and pay ten million for Sommer uh, yeah. as their as their new number one keeper yeah. now that no, the the Neuer is out. So, yeah. Well, they have to do something at the end of the day, don't they? Because I mean, they can't. Surely they can't start with. Uh, they've already said they're not going to start with uh, the number two, are they? So because yeah. he's made a lot of mistakes uh, over the recent years, and he's he's not good enough to be a number one. But then, I mean, obviously, um, they want to get the guy who's on loan as well uh, at Monaco, but he actually turned them down from what I can gather, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, yeah, Nubel is not, is not coming. Yeah, Nubel, um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he is not coming. Uh, and they they could go with Sven Ulreich. They won the league. Yeah, yeah he, he helped them win the league 2017-18 when Neuer had his metatarsal surgery. But he also made that crucial error in the Champions League that year. Yeah. So they have that on their mind. Um, they... It might be the look if they can't get summer, then all they can do is sign a backup for Ulreich, and then Ulreich is the number one. They they haven't yeah. said that publicly that he's not the number one. That's just you know what's going on in the German yeah. German world. So we'll see. Yeah. But I I yeah I mean I think Gladbach are just they're going to get picked clean uh, yeah. before the transfer window is out and yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah I mean there's a lot of problems on that defensive yeah. line. Of course they yeah. get the back, but. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 
I know what you mean. They're they're a funny side, but I did see, especially at home, some of the home performances were really inspired me. And I, I do believe that Farker is a good manager, but as you say, they've just got big problems defensively for a long time. I think also Ben Tobaini is a name that you've not mentioned as well. He could potentially leave. I think Dortmund were linked with him for an eleven or twelve million euro move. Oh, he's yeah, he's going to leave. Well, I think he's going to leave on a free. I think they're going to let him leave on a free at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so I think he, he sticks with Gladbach for the duration of the season. Yeah. But, you know, uh, without Koei Takora, they really had problems in central mm. defense. Yeah. My, my, one of my Americans that I cover on a weekly basis, Scally, and the right back mm. has been up and down. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. There's um, and, and there's no real solution in the midfield, I think. I mean, he's been, yeah. you know, I, I've the only person that I've seen who's performed consistently well would be Jürgen Weigel. And uh, but he doesn't have a six partner, so I yeah I'm a little concerned about that. But they're certainly yeah. look, I tipped them for the relegation race at the beginning of the season, so they've wow. okay. made a yeah. fool out of me and they've uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exceeded my expectations. And I'm very yeah, definitely yeah. yeah. Just an interesting comment as well coming in from Ballam too, which is in contrast to what you said, Peter Ballam, who's a British one of our British followers by the way, said uh, Leipzig are expected to, on paper to be the only team to compete with Bayern. Leipzig will want to win Friday night and we might get a title race. Leipzig <laughs> are the only chance German football have. Well, well, I mean, I know that I think that that's uh, the complete opposite pretty much about what German football fans feel. What, what do you feel about that, obviously, as a native German, Peter? Um, you know, it's it's <laughs> it, uh, it, we'd like to have a title race, of course. I, I still I stand by Eintracht Frankfurt as potential uh, title contenders. It may not be the most popular uh, viewpoint at this at this point, but I think the team is really clicking, and I think that um, all of these players are also playing to move up. I mean, uh, Frankfurt's going to get dismantled after the season. They don't have the money to keep this yeah. team together. So I mean, uh, I think that they that they seriously have a chance. Um, you know, how would Germany react to an RB Leipzig title? Um, I can tell you that uh, when RB Leipzig were in the the, the uh, uh, later stages of the Europa League uh, uh, last year, everybody was watching Frankfurt. Nobody was watching Leipzig. Mm. When Leipzig beat SA Freiburg in the Pokal uh, finale uh, last year, we were all pretty downbeat. Uh, we wanted to see Christian Streich and the lads get that going. Um, would it be the end of the world if Leipzig won uh, the title? Not necessarily. I should emphasize this. I've said this before that Leipzig aren't as disliked as, say, Hoffenheim are, because even though it's a non 50 plus one team, even though it's a, uh, a corporation that's running it, even though it's a foreign corporation that's running it, we're okay with the fact that the former East Germany has some representation. They need some mm -hmm. representation. Of course, we have that in FC Union Berlin now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, prior to that, you know, we went 10 years in the Bundesliga without there being uh, an Eastern European yeah. uh, or e Eastern uh, German team out there. And that was bad for German football. It was just bad for German football. It was bad for German fan culture, too, because a lot of the, you know, the teams, the former East German teams in the in the um, uh, <clears throat> you know, in the lower divisions, their ultra groups started you know, getting more rightist and 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 leaning more towards you know the, the Eastern Bloc countries and things like that. So we're okay with East Germany having some representation. It would not be the end of the world. It would not be a travesty if Leipzig were to win the title. Still not what we uh, <laughs> what we're hoping yeah. for. Yeah, I think also for me, obviously as a British guy living in Germany, I personally would be happy to see Leipzig win it. But at the same time, having spoken to a lot of German people about it, I can understand that RB Leipzig effectively go completely against the traditions of German football. You know, the 50 plus one is like a religion here, basically, yeah. you know, especially yeah. in my own team as well. FC Nuremberg are one of the big uh, kind of uh, uh, fan uh promoters of the 50 plus one rule and you know i know for a fact that i actually saw fc nuremberg play leipzig live and there were big protests uh, from the ultras holding up banners saying like you know do why do we want to fizzy drinks club in the bundesliga and they do an like atmosphere that. boycott that's that's very common in, in the stands an, an atmosphere yeah. boycott for leipzig yeah. whenever leipzig comes to town you do an atmosphere boycott yeah for, for the first 15 minutes of the fixture Nobody, no chanting, no singing, no nothing. Yeah. The, mm. the the stance that the German fan groups take against Leipzig mm. is to remain yeah. silent because mm. they're not. Mm. This is a corporate club, 
and I and we're kind of running short on time, so I, I can't I won't go yeah, into greater yeah. depth. I know you want to talk about the maybe relegation yeah. tips yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we're gonna we are exactly gonna go straight on to the relegation race. So yeah. I mean, obviously, I'll just take you through the current state of play for those of you that have forgotten. I mean, we've got Schalke in 18th with only two wins and nine points. I think they actually won against Mainz to give themselves a little bit of hope towards the end of the Hinrunder. But still, it was a pitiful first half of the season for the Nordrhein-Westfaleners. And then we've got Bolkham, yeah. I mean, they're still in the second bottom, but they've got 13 points and they made a brilliant finish. I think they won three of the last four games to really give themselves hope. And, you know, took themselves nicely, only a point behind Stuttgart, who are occupying the uh, playoff place at the moment, which is obviously third from bottom. Hertha Berlin, you know, it's been another struggle of a season for them, despite an improvement in the style of play and the tactics, but they've still not got the results that they warranted to get them further up the table. They're also joint on 14 points with a slightly better goal difference. And then we've got Augsburg on 15 points. They they went the other way, didn't they? They were absolutely brilliant in the first few weeks of the season. And everyone thought, you know, Augsburg could push for top half, but they absolutely plummeted, didn't they, in the set? Probably the last five games, really, wasn't it? I think they lost maybe all five of them, or they only got one point from those five. But it was a poor end. And then I'd say the only other team you'd probably say are in the relegation fight, probably FC Cone, who also had a, a poor last five games or so. They're on uh, 17 points. So, yeah, Peter, who's kind of sticking out there? Which teams do you think are really going to get relegated and who could potentially get away from it? I believe Schalke are most definitely going down. Um, they've lost uh, Sebastian Polter. They've lost their new signing, Nicholas Tower. They are trying to get some more help, but they just simply don't have the money. They don't have the resources. Um, as I said, I believe Bochum are going to be safe based on the fact that it's a quality team. They've made some quality signings. Um, if you had asked me this morning whether or not I thought Hatta were going to be in the relegation race, I would have said yes, but I think Florian Niederlechner is coming from Augsburg as soon yeah. as uh, Kelvin Yeboa is, is uh, signed. So that should give them enough to stay above the fray. I'm very deeply concerned about FC Kern. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a conference league side that finished the, the, uh, the first phase of the season, not quite the Hinwunder, in terrible form. Um, they don't have very good players. Most of their players are second league level at best. And when you're when your big winter signing is Davy Selka. <laughs> <laughs> that says everything you need to know. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm deeply concerned about them. And I'm also very, hopefully, maybe Rory is, is, is not watching in detail. I'm very, very worried about Stuttgart. Um, you know, they are, um, this, the, the, <clears throat> as I wrote in, in my transfer column uh, earlier this, this month, these are not the wild boys. They're just wild. They're all over the place. They're a bunch of raw young guys that that just don't seem to. And Bruno Labadia is supposedly, you know, he saved Hatta, he saved Hamburg SV, he saved Wolfsburg, so on and so forth. A, a good German Feuerwehrmann, you know, a, a, a fireman. I think his luck is, you know, after his last spell at Hatta, I, I don't. I, I don't, maybe he's just not a good coach after all. He's too, you know, I, I don't think he's, I think he's, 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 he can't see the forest for the trees often. So my pick, Schalke and Stuttgart uh, going in direct relegation and Kern on the playoff place where they will probably beat FC Kaiserslautern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, it definitely won't be FC Nuremberg anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. everybody else survives. Um, yeah. So yeah, and and Stuttgart going down is terrible news for for German yeah. football. I, I mean, I, I and, and Schalke too. I, I don't I don't want to see either one of them uh, yeah. go away. But that's those are my two direct relegation picks. Yeah, I think I've got to agree with you on Schalke. I just didn't see anywhere near enough to think that they, they were just woeful, to be honest with you, in the first half. Just so poor. Like they just have nothing going forward. The defence was woeful. They've obviously lost Molle, who was, I wouldn't say good, but he was half decent. I mean, he's gone for a pretty pitiful sum of one and a half million, I think, to Nantes in France, hasn't he? Well, I mean, it's just, uh, they might see that as a good deal, you know, but I mean, it's still, it's another body down that they're not mm -hmm. going to be able to replace. Probably, as you mentioned, Tower is the kind of big mm -hmm. signing, but he's got picked up an injury. Poulter, who wasn't really great in the first half of the season, but he's also got injured. And I just don't, I think they're going in a little bit weaker in terms of squad and they've just not got the quality to get out of this. And I think they'll probably finish 
they'll probably beat their last total of 15 points. But I, I think, you know, you're looking at around about 20, 21 points is all they'll manage to accumulate this season. I think, yeah, the, the second, I agree with you that Bolcom I saw a lot in them in the last three or four games. And I think they're a side that, as you mentioned, they had a, a traumatic start this season, losing a lot of players, but they did bring a little bit of quality in behind closed doors as well, really. You know, and I do like the coach Lech as well. I think he's, um, I, I preferred Thomas Rice, don't get me wrong, Thomas Rice is a great coach, but, you know, it was probably time for him to part company with them, with the fact that they had such poor form, basically, didn't they? You know, I think they lost the first five or six games, so to consider they've got 13 points on the board, despite losing the first five or six, is a pretty good effort, and, you know, they're averaging way over a point a game during the last 10 games or so, so I don't see any reason why they'd go down. You know, they've got a good home support as well. Some quality players, you know, as you mentioned, some of the names before. I think they'll stay up. I agree that Stuttgart just inspires zero confidence in me whatsoever. I think aside from Mavropanos, I don't really see any like top level Bundesliga players in the squad. And even Mavropanos has been linked with a move to Atletico Madrid as well during the time, which I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if he jumps ship. You know, he's given everything he can to the club. But, I mean, he just can't progress to the level he wants to at Stuttgart at the moment. I agree that it would be so sad to lose them. I'm actually hoping to get over to Stuttgart and watch a game before the end of the season too. But they're a massive club with a great support, but they've just not got the money and they're just not good, good enough players and they're making bad decisions all the time. You know, I, I'm not sure I agree with you that Labadia didn't really overly inspire me as an appointment as well as a manager and... You know, he just seems to be a bit of a journeyman, doesn't he? Like a Sam Allardyce in England. Well, he's, he's a fireman, a, a fireman. Yeah. He's got to come and put fires. Yeah, uh, but I, I think the the test fixtures have not looked good. The only team that looked worse in the test fixtures than Stuttgart has been Schalke. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, they they really. He's Labadia is trying to play this old school with these young kids, and I, I just I think it all falls apart. Yeah. What do you think about Kern? Do you think? Yeah, I totally agree on Kern. I'm, I'm having sleepless nights over them, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, because I love FC Kern as a club. I love Stefan Baumgart. But as you say, they, they, they just have no money and they lost probably the two best players in the summer. You know, obviously they lost, yeah. uh, as you mentioned, both to Dortmund as well. <laughs> you know, Sally Uzcan and then also uh, Anthony Medes. And, they missed them badly. They didn't, ironically, they started off well and everyone was thinking it's going to be another productive season for them. But I think the one of those sides that faded off badly and I just, I didn't see enough quality in the side by the end. I think they need Lubacic back, definitely. He's a good player and he started the season really well. You know, but I, obviously uh, Florian Kainz is a good player, but he also lost his form in the back end of the Hinrunder. And I just think there's too much pressure on the likes of them to deliver results. The Jibbetsch, Ademayan, Stefan Tigges, Linton Miner, uh, these are all great players for the Zweite Bundesliga. If they go down, they're going right back up. But yeah, they are, but there's just not, as you say, the, the kind of side that if things start to turn against them, that they could go down. But I think I'm confident they'll just about stay up, though. I think they'll finish 15th, probably, the place above the bottom three, I think. But I'm it's, actually going to go as third bottom. I'm going to go for, I'm afraid, Hertha Berlin, actually. I just yeah. think. Oh, Hertha Berlin, where do we start? I mean, I want them to do better because I do believe that it's important for German football to have like the biggest club because they are still the biggest club for me in, in Berlin, although members are roughly the same between Union and Hertha. But they are, they are the club with the most potential. They've got the stadium, you know, they've got the most history of the two clubs. But I want a Berlin club to do, well, I want Hertha to do better, really. I don't, I'm not like a massive fan of the club, but I think it'd be good for the Bundesliga if they start to kick on more. But I just don't know what's wrong with them. They just don't win football games. It's as simple as that. Like, they're the kind of side that can dominate a game for 90 minutes and still lose one. Well, that's, yeah, because Panga and Ejuke and Luka Bakio haven't been able to finish. But if yeah, they get Niederländer. Exactly. If they get Niederlechner, he can yeah. get it. He is a good player, and also he'd be taking a potentially a relegation rivals player as well. But for me, Augsburg, they are. I'm so frustrated by them because 
when I was watching them in the first 10 games, I, I was just so impressed, really. There are just so many good players in that team. It's the best Augsburg team I've possibly ever seen in the Bundesliga. I would go that far, really, especially the front line. I mean, they're going to massively miss Niederlechner if he does leave. You know, they really are. But Berisha was superb. Berisha was absolutely superb. And I really, really like, uh, I think, um, the, the signing from, obviously, um, uh, Freiburg as well did really, really well. Yeah, Demirovic, yeah, he was fantastic in the first half of the season. Arisha of up front, I mean, and yeah. maybe Nico or, or Yeboa. Yeah. I think they're going to be yeah. fine. I think I'd like to see more from Stefan Dorsch because obviously he was a player that, uh, that really came in with big. Yeah, well, they're going to get him. Yeah, Dorsch and Ani Maya, the two Germany. Yeah. Uh, Maya, is a, I'm a fan of him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah two Germany U21 internationals. They're going to run the midfield. They're going to have a great midfield. So I'm confident that they, and I like the manager as well. I'm, I'm a fan of him too. I, I do believe that they they could be the team that, for me, have the big second half of the season and actually go up the table for me. I, I just don't see how they can possibly be anywhere near the bottom three because I just think the team's too good. The yeah. football was very good in the first half of the season. They just didn't get the results. It was, you know, they were 3-0 up against Leipzig and somehow didn't win that game. And that game was the one that knocked the confidence. And then they had a few poor results after that. But they can't go down for me, Augsburg. They really yeah. can't go down. So I think it's between, you know, Köln, as you say, they've definitely got a chance of going down. Bolcom also have got a chance. But I, I do believe that Augsburg and Bolcom will be the there's two sides that get pulled away from that bottom six. And it'll be between those four, basically. And I think, yeah, Schalke are gone for me already. And it'll be between Stuttgart, Hertha and Köln for those other two positions. But as I say, I'm going to go, I'm going to plump for Stuttgart automatic relegation and uh, Hertha as third from bottom, unfortunately. So they're the ones who beat Kaiserslautern in the playoffs. Thank you. Rory. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yeah, Rory, Rory coming in there as well in the chat saying, yeah, up the BFB. He's going for BFB to survive. Wow. Yeah. It's uh I'm sorry, Rory, but both of us are keeping your boys to go this year. We have just not seen enough in the side. But yeah. Hopefully, I do hope. I think both of us hope we'll stay up, but whether we can. You could also beat my hometown club in the in the relegation playoff. That's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Playoff. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that pretty much concludes our predictions ahead of the rook run of the second half of the season. So, if you enjoyed what you saw today, obviously it's been quite a long show today, but a very enjoyable one as well. If you enjoyed what you saw today, then uh, check out at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. And also, of course, uh, otvfootball.net, which is, remember, we're not only a Bundesliga site as well. We also do vlogs from the lower leagues of English football too. We've had some really good ones from Ipswich and Rotherham and uh, Grimsby and a few other places. If, you, if you're a fan of lower league English football, then that's a place to go as well. We've also got the Football League Weekly Show too, which discusses uh, what's happening in the lower echelons of the English league system. And yeah, don't forget as well to like, comment and subscribe if you enjoyed what you saw today. We're, we're going to be seeing a lot more of Peter as well uh, over the, the coming weeks too, which is going to be fantastic. But yeah, thanks again for joining me, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Yeah, well, my friend, I, I've it's anybody, the Bundesliga is absolutely worth the wait. Um, yeah. It's going to yeah. come roaring back and I yeah. wish Rory and I will be doing a, a watch along for Bayern Leipzig on Friday. Yeah. And then uh, I'll be typing furiously throughout the English Woche, the English week, the, uh, the yeah. packed week that gets us. So good luck with that. That's... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Obviously, we've got a lot of fixes coming up. It's coming roaring back with an English Woche as well. Next, not next week, the week out. No, sorry, it is. It's next week. Yeah, now. yeah. Time flies, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely. So yeah, we've got a lot coming for you. We're going to also the Wednesday night show as well with Runa is going to be analyzing the fancy football side of things as well. So yeah, don't forget to check in there at nine o'clock central european time eight o'clock uk time so yeah thanks a lot guys for joining us again and we'll see you again next time ciao bye bye guys